0: I have the privilege of preaching tonight. And I want to say is I love this book of Philippians. And if uh, you can turn to me to Philippians 3.13... To twenty-one, and we're going to be digging into this piece of Scripture, but I just want to charge us tonight, and I want to say, lean in, lean in with faith, and if I could preach one thing, if I could get people to understand one thing, it's who they are in Christ, and I, I believe that Paul is writing to the Philippians church to uh, make us understand who we are in Christ, and I want us to grab a hold of that, like we said earlier, take a hold of Christ, and I promise that our lives will be shaped and transformed through that. So we're going to read this passage of Scripture, and then I'm going to pray for us, but it says this in Philippians 3:13 it says brothers and sisters i do not consider myself yet to have taken hold of it but one thing i do forgetting what is behind and straining toward what is ahead i press on toward the goal to win the prize for which god has called me heavenward in christ jesus All of us, then, who are mature should take such a view of things. And if on some point you think differently, that, too, God will make clear to you. Only let us live up to what we have already attained. Join together in following my example, brothers and sisters, and just as you have us as a model, keep your eyes on those who live as we do. For, as I have often told you before, and now tell you again, even with tears, many live as enemies of the cross." of Christ. Their destiny is destruction, their God is their stomach, and their glory is in their shame. Their mind is set on earthly things but our citizenship is in heaven. I want us to take a hold of that phrase, but our citizenship is in heaven, and we eagerly await a Savior from there, the Lord Jesus Christ, who by the power that enables him to bring everything under his control will transform our lowly bodies so that we will be like his glorious body. Can we pray tonight? Yeah, Father, I just pray that you speak to us through your word. And I pray that as we listen, as we open up our hearts Lord, that we will not leave the stream, we will not switch our computers or our devices off unchanged, that we will take hold of who you are and that we will live from that point, that we will have a deep revelation of Christ. We will have a deep revelation of your power and your goodness and what it means to be citizens of heaven. We pray this in your mighty name. Amen. I love this verse and I love this book but I want to remind us what Paul is writing why he is writing and who he is writing to and so we are going through the book of Philippians and we're in the series like you said whatever happens whatever happens conduct yourselves in a man- manner worthy of the gospel no matter what the circumstances are whatever happens in politics or the economy conduct yourselves yeah. in a manner worthy of the gospel but Paul is writing this letter from prison can you imagine that for those of you who don't know what a letter is it's you take a pen and you take paper and you write a long thing it's not like an instagram dm it takes a while to write but it's extremely powerful and he used to write letters to different churches different people uh, edifying them exhorting them and challenging them in christ and so that we can take hold of everything that christ has to us but he was awaiting trial, and he's near the uh, later stages of his life, and he's awaiting trial and to be sentenced, but he is writing this to the Philippian church. Why? Because he loves them dearly. He wants to see them prosper in everything in Jesus, and the Philippian church is actually one of the first churches that he planted in Eastern Europe, and this woman called Lydia was the first for the gospel and who Paul loves dearly because he wants to see people encounter the grace of Jesus. And I can imagine at that time, imprisonment carried a whole bunch of social stigmas. People didn't want to be attached to anyone who was in prison. They didn't want to be uh, uh, near them. But actually, the Philippian church loved Paul dearly and were loyal to the gospel of Jesus Christ. And Paul is thanking them and writing in gratitude for their loyalty to the gospel, that they were people that took hold of the gospel. No matter what the circumstances, no matter what the adversity of the time, they proclaimed the gospel gospel of jesus christ and we see the center of gravity of this book uh, of philippians is philippians 2 and it describes the eternal deity of christ it describes christ in all his glory that he raised from the dead and there's power in his resurrection and paul is writing through that lens that there is power in jesus christ and we need to live from that place so to properly understand what paul is getting at in this passage of scripture we have to go back to verse 10 And it says this, I want to know Christ. Yes, to know the power of his resurrection and participation in his sufferings, becoming like him in his death, and so somehow attaining to the resurrection from the dead. See, that this entire letter revolves around finding great joy In Jesus Christ and I want to say tonight is will you lean in here will you find great joy in Jesus Christ whatever happens in your life whatever your circumstances whatever you are battling with will you find great joy in Jesus Christ and I want to say is that because of that joy we will start living differently because we've attained something and we are different to the world So Paul is writing, and he is saying there's great joy in Jesus Christ, but not only is there joy in Jesus, but there is power in his resurrection. Why? Because we have been raised with Jesus. When Jesus died on the cross and was raised to life, we were raised with him, and we are in Christ, and Christ is in us. So therefore, we can live differently. Therefore, whatever happens, we have a future hope and a future glory in eternity. And so uh, you may be asking, but what does this mean for me practically? And I want to say, whatever happens in your life is that you can live a different story because of the story that Jesus has written for you. So my hope tonight is that we don't leave here unchanged. I'm preaching both to you and to myself that we take hold of the gospel of Jesus Christ and we allow that to shape and transform our lives, our thinking, our actions, the way we interact in our businesses, the way we deal with our finances, the way we love our spouses, that that will be the lens of what we have already attained in Jesus Christ. So Paul isn't just content with us staying where we are comfortable. He wants to push us forward. He wants to uh, keep our eyes fixed on the prize, fixed on the finish line, and that is eternity. So knowing Jesus means that we know his power and that the new life that is imparted to us now is now, not when we die. So there is new life that is imparted to you right now, not later in eternity. You have the power of Jesus Christ now. Not one day, not when you get everything right, not when you tick all the boxes, but you have the power of Jesus Christ. Why? Because we were raised with him in life. And so it says this in verse 13, brothers and sisters, I do not consider myself yet to have taken hold of it. So he knows that he hasn't taken hold of the knowledge of Christ, but he is pressing forward. But one thing I do, forgetting what is behind and straining toward what is ahead, I press on toward the goal to win the prize for which God has called me heavenward in Christ Jesus. I love that Paul is writing this in his, older age, but he's still as buoyant and as exuberant as a young child, that he's forgetting what's behind, and he's just running towards what's ahead, and he's doing this with enthusiasm and passion. Why? Because he wants people to walk with eyes on eternity. He wants people to grasp that there's a greater life, that there's more for them, that there's a greater call for us as Christians. Why? Because Jesus has already done it. So he is living this life of purpose, and I want you to lean in here, especially if you've ever asked the question, well, what is my purpose, God? Why am I living life? Why am I in this business? Why am I maybe in this marriage? Why am I still battling with this thing? What is this purpose? Because Paul realized what his purpose is in Jesus Christ. Paul was radically saved by God, and then he was radically called for God's kingdom. So he took hold of God's purpose in his calling, And he also took hold of Christ's purpose in redeeming him. I want to say that again. He took hold of God's purpose in his calling. And he took hold of Christ's purpose in his redemption. So So God's aims and Paul's aims were identical. God's purposes and Paul's purposes for his life, for us as believers, were identical. So he had complete faith knowing that he was in God's will and God's purposes. Why? Because his mind was set on things above So the production in us of God-like and God-pleasing character is at the center of this. Paul wants us to become like Christ. He wants us to take hold of Christ so that we can run the race of life well and so that we can do that in God's strength and in God's will and God's purposes. See, there's this amazing story about the Spanish Uh, The nation of Spain in the 15th century, they were the superpower of the day. They thought that they had attained it all. They thought that they had reached the end of the earth and that the whole world revolved around Spain. And they were so arrogant in what they believed that their coins had this uh, phrase on them. It said, No plus ultra, which meant nothing further which meant that there was no world, nothing past Spain. The Spain was the center of it all. But as they ventured out, as they ventured into the new world, they realized there was actually a world far beyond themselves. There was a world greater. And they changed the phrase on the coins to this, "Plus ultra, meaning there is more beyond. There is more beyond. In the same pattern, us as believers need to say, There is more beyond. We won't settle for nothing further. We won't settle for the smallness of life. We won't settle for just uh, uh, becoming a Christian and then we go on with our lives. No, there is more beyond. See, Paul knew this so clearly that there's more beyond life and there's power in Christ's resurrection. So when he says that we are citizens in heaven, there is more beyond this earthly life. There is more beyond your finances. There is more beyond your struggles. There is more beyond the next day or what you're going to eat. There is more beyond you because there is Christ in eternity. See, we don't live from that place of lack. We don't live as slaves to sin. We live as slaves to God and citizens of a greater heaven. Paul says this amazing phrase in verse 12. He says that I made Christ my own and Christ made me his own. I want that to sink in. You make Christ your own, but Christ makes you his own. See, we are sons and daughters of a different kingdom. We are walking as yeah. citizens of a different kingdom, of a different yeah. land. And we need to walk from that place of victory. I want to say tonight, no matter where you find yourself, whatever happens in your life, you are a son and you are a daughter and you have a great king in heaven. And uh, Paul's writing this and I, there's this phrase that I really di- uh, dislike. It's, a, it's this phrase that I chose Christ. And I want to say that may be true, but Christ first chose you. Christ first moved towards you, and then we got to take hold of Christ because he had already taken hold of him, uh, of us. And Paul's writing this, and he's saying, I laid hold of Jesus because Jesus laid hold of me. And what does it mean that Jesus laid hold of Paul? It means that he made him a new man. Jesus laid hold of Paul to make him a new man. It means that Jesus laid hold of Paul to confirm the image of Jesus Christ in him. He confirms the image of Jesus Christ in us. Jesus laid hold of Paul to make him a witness so that Paul could witness to the ends of the earth for Christ's glory and for a greater kingdom. Jesus laid a hold of Paul so that others may attain Jesus Christ and may encounter his goodness and his grace. Jesus laid a hold of you for a purpose and for a calling. And when our purposes align with God's purposes, there is life in our lives. Why? Because there is a greater race. We press forward, we strain forward, taking hold of what Christ has already taken hold for us. And in verse 17, it says this, join together in following my example. We get to live like Paul did, brothers and sisters, and just as you have us as a model, keep your eyes on those who live as we do. We need to set our eyes not on earthly things, but on things above. Where are your eyes set right now? Is it on your circumstances? Is it on your lack? Is it maybe on what, how you're gonna provide for your family? Is it maybe where your identity rests? that you find all your purpose and find all your comfort in your job. I want to say, take your eyes off earthly things because they will fade, and set your eyes on things above because they will last in eternity. Yeah. It says this in Colossians 3, 1-2, living as those made alive in Christ. Since then you have been raised with Christ, set your heart on things above, where Christ is, seated at the right hand of God, set your minds on things above, not on earthly things. Why do we set our minds on things above? Because Jesus is there and Jesus lives in us and he is testifying towards a greater kingdom. So we get to live from that life. We have to live with eternity in mind. Because of our profession in Christ Jesus, because we profess with our lips that we take hold of Christ, our conduct must be in a manner worthy of the gospel. We have to live in a manner worthy of what we profess, worthy of what Christ has already taken hold of for us. And then we get to the crux of the matter, like, like I like to think of it, in verse 20. But our citizenship is in heaven, and we eagerly await a savior from there, the Lord Jesus Christ, who by the power that enables us, him to bring everything under his control, What is Paul saying here? If we are citizens of heaven, it means that we must be foreigners in this earth. If we are citizens of heaven, we must be foreigners in this earth. We don't belong here. Foreigners are distinct in whatever foreign land they are in. Foreigners are distinct in whatever foreign land they're in. They must look differently to the customs of that culture. So as Christians, we must be marked by our heavenly citizenship. So we must live in a manner worthy of the gospel, live in a way that shows Christ and reflects Christ everywhere we go. No matter whether it's the boardroom, no matter whether it's your college or your school, you reflect Christ in everywhere you go. Why? Because you are living not as a citizen of this earth, but as a citizen of heaven. And I want to say take hold of this because it's shaped and transformed my life. It took me from anxiety to confidence. Why? Because I I realized who God was and I realized where I was walking from. That my confidence isn't in my own ability, isn't in my own circumstances. It's actually as a son of Jesus Christ. See, if we have died with Christ, we get to take hold of the power of his resurrection in our daily lives. That means when we walk, we are walking with power and authority. When you are facing temptation, when you are facing a sin, when you are facing a challenge or an obstacle, you have power in your life because Jesus lives inside of you that you don't need to fear. You don't need to be anxious. Yeah. You don't need to be worried. Why? Because you are a citizen of heaven. Your inheritance lives in eternity, and you walk from that place in power and confidence knowing that Jesus went before you, goes with you, and is above you. And that I I need to remind myself that every day that I need to take my eyes off my circumstances, take my eyes off um, where my identity is laid and set my eyes on my king above. See, being citizens of heaven means these two things. It means that we have a homeland or a destination. It means that we have a homeland or a destination and that destination isn't earth, it is heaven. So that there is a king in that destination. So Jesus is in heaven, and we have a homeland there. We have this future inheritance there. But a king needs subjects to obey him. And so we obey our king on earth because he is already in heaven. And as we live on earth, as we walk in our daily lives, as we do these daily things, we obey God, not the cultures of this world. We are subject to the rulers and the authorities in this world, but we have a greater king in heaven. See, we need to live a life worthy of the gospel. And I'm going back to Philippians 1.27, and it's back to one of the first verses that we spoke about in this Whatever Happens series. And it says this, Whatever happens, conduct yourselves in a manner worthy of the gospel of Christ. Then whether I come and see you or only hear about you in my absence, I will know that you stand firm in one spirit, striving together as one, of, of, as one for the faith of the gospel. Yeah. The amazing thing about this verse is that conduct yourselves in a manner. That word manner comes from the Greek word politome, which means that we are citizens of heaven. It is the only time that the citizenship of heaven is repeated in the New Testament. Paul is trying to get us to understand something, that our lives need to reflect our citizenship in heaven that as Christians, we walk with power, we walk with authority because we have a different citizenship. And if we claim to be with Christ, then we need to walk like Christ. If we claim to be with Christ, we need to walk like Christ. That means the way you interact with the world, that means the way you interact with the economies of this world, the politics of this world, you aren't swayed by it, you aren't fearful of it, but you have confidence in Christ and you walk with confidence, you walk with authority, you walk with power wherever you go. Why? Because you are a citizen of heaven. Because you are a son and a daughter of God most high. And it says this in 1 Thessalonians 2 verse 12, encouraging, comfort, comforting, and urging you to live lives worthy of God who calls you into his kingdom and glory. God called you. Yeah. We didn't do anything to earn it. We didn't do anything yeah. to deserve it, but God called you to be a son and daughter. And we just need to live as, a, as adopted children into his kingdom, as adoption, adopted children in his family. We get to live in that space. And so I want to say everything we do or not do should be governed by the fact that we are citizens of heaven. When I first came to church, when I first came in this Life Changes building, you can ask Mark. I sat at the very back of church and I I was a broken man. Um, I was a man who was riddled with anxiety. I was a man who had been in church for many years. I had been in church for almost 13 years at that point. But I still struggled with depression. I still struggled with anxiety. And I still had secret sins. On the outside, everything looked good. I, I, I came to church. I did the Christian things. I would come on a Sunday. I maybe would uh, read my Bible from time to time. But inside, I wasn't changed. Inside, the revelation of Jesus hadn't Uh, taken a grip of me and I struggled with this thing of anxiety and I had to constantly struggle with this and I didn't have confidence and people ask me how can you get up and speak Michael on stage how can you get up and proclaim the gospel I can get up now and proclaim the gospel because I realize who Jesus is in my life I realize that I am not bound by my circumstances. I am not bound by my fears. I don't walk from that space, but I actually have a Savior who paid the greatest price for me on the cross, and I get to walk from that space. I get to walk with confidence. Why? Because Jesus already attained it, and I get to take hold of that in what He already attained. And I didn't uh, uh, get rid of uh, anxiety just by itself. I didn't get rid of anxiety, but it was a process that I continued to focus on Jesus. I can't, when I stumbled, I continued to set my eyes on Him. When I fell, I continued to set my eyes on Him. And as I did that, I realized that there is power, there is strength in Jesus Christ and He lives in me. And I had to uh, wrestle with this thing. But then I met my amazing wife. And we were wrestling with finances and we were 120,000 rand in debt when it came to our wedding. And we had to look at this and we had to go, are we going to look with eyes in the world? Are we going to look with uh, eyes of rationality, eyes that of uh, realism where it says actually our finances dictate our situation, dictate our faith? Or are we going to uh, look with eyes of heaven, of the kingdom of heaven? and we trusted and we prayed. And I wanna say is that we had an amazing wedding, but not only did we have an amazing wedding, that we have become debt free. Why? Because we walked in confidence in what God had for us and we took hold of what Christ had already done and we didn't let our circumstances dictate how we walked. We didn't let our circumstances dictate how we lived our lives, but we, uh, pers- we were persuaded by the promises of God that everything that He would do and He has promised would come to fruition in our lives. So I want to say you are a citizen of heaven tonight. That secret sin which you have kept hidden, that thing that is holding you, that circumstance which is before you walk in confidence walk in power for what christ has already done in your life and i want to say you are a son and a daughter of god most high let that be the greatest testimony in your life that you are a son and a daughter of the god most high the world may label you the world may label you anxious depressed lonely corrupt it may label you in a a myriad of different ways but God labels you as a son and a daughter and a citizen of heaven I'm going to pray for us and if you're saying maybe I'm struggling with a secret sin or I, I don't know where to go I don't know where to turn I don't know how to do this thing of Christianity I don't know how to walk as a daughter or a son of God I want you to stretch your hand out to him right now I want you to stretch your hand out to Him. Why? Because He empowers you to do it. He empowers you because Christ has already done it. And we get to walk in His victory. The cross is not just a mere moment in history. It is a way of life. That we walk in Him towards the cross, but we walk in Him as He walked out of the grave and we get to walk out of our graves for what He has already done. So Jesus, we thank You tonight. We lift Your name high and we walk with eyes set on heavenly things. We walk as sons and daughters of the God most high. We walk in confidence. We walk in power. We walk in authority because you have already attained it for us, and we take hold of you tonight, Jesus. We pray that you will be the center of our lives, that you will be the most important thing in our lives, that you will be the impetus of power in our lives, Lord, and we will walk with confidence knowing that we are yours, knowing that you go before us, knowing that you are with us, and knowing that you are above us that we may struggle in this earth but we have eternity with you and we be are becoming perfect in your sight one day in eternity so we thank you right now that you are pouring out your spirit over our people you are pouring out your spirit and that power will come that revelation will come that truth will come in people's hearts and in people's lives and that we will walk differently that whatever happens we will conduct ourselves in a manner worthy of the gospel and whatever happens that we will be sure that we are citizens of heaven we pray this in your mighty name jesus have your way in our hearts. Have your way in our lives yeah. and get all the glory. Let's go. Amen.